I'm Ryan, the other guy's Jordan, and this is Two Angles on Angling. hellos because we've been gone a while guys i wanted to catch you up on them but nice. yeah it's been what we missed three episodes or was it two yeah three. three yeah we did miss three had a lot going on in that uh mm-hmm. in this last month uh ryan uh will kind of catch everyone up here on the fishing scene and then i guess we can dive in a little deeper on everything else after that yep so uh yeah, we're going to get deeper about this in a little bit, but uh, the delay in reporting is due to some travel, uh, some adventures. So that's what we're going to talk about in the second half. But uh, that's why so my, so I got home uh, last Friday, I took Saturday off and fished every day from last Sunday through today, which is Sunday. Uh, we had our uh, kids camp. So I fished... Uh, Last Sunday with with clients and then uh, kids camp all week, uh, the summer fishing camp. Uh, We had four boats going, three kids per boat. Uh, We fished Erie a bunch. We fished Ontario a bunch. Like awesome catch rates everywhere we went. My my main uh, overall observation is like this feels like fall and it's not fall. Like it, it, I mean, I mean, dude, like it got to. I don't think it broke 70 yesterday. It got, it got hot yeah. today, but I mean, here yeah, we are like dog, you know, air coats, dog days of summer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I show uh, you saw the pictures all week. Yeah. And you know, if you want to, if you, if anybody listening to this wants to see it, then just, just go to my website and look it up at, uh, brookdogfishing.com. But the kids camp is 8am to 2pm Monday through Friday. And we had four boats, three kids per boat, so 12 total kids. And we, we covered the whole fishery for the week. So I'm not a Lake Ontario specialist. I just know that when my buddies Paul and Mike went offshore, they went out like, the northwest corner because we launched out of Lewiston. They caught a bunch of fish. Um, and that was uh, Wednesday and Thursday. You know, the... The other thing, like smallmouth bite all week, like it was crazy. We bar- we barely caught drum throughout the week. I didn't start catching drum again until yesterday and today. And I think it's because we had a lot of wind. But even so, like yesterday we caught a ton of drum and only a handful of bass and some walleyes. Today we caught a lot of bass, a decent number of drum, and a couple of walleyes. So I don't know why the difference, like the difference between the two days is basically that, um, wind that was the biggest factor this, this, this past week and why it feels so fall like is we've had pretty damn consistent wind all week. So I think we had like one windless day last week, which it was, I think it was Monday. Um, otherwise we had steady three footers like Friday. It was crazy. Like it was, 
straight up crazy. There were standing, you know, four and five foot waves in the north side of Grand Island in the river. Like the harbor, like inside the harbor, there were giant waves in the southeast corner of it. It was just, it was wow. nuts. Um, but it was the last day of camp, so we, we went out anyway. That's why so we, and we still caught fish. You know, we pulled fish out of the gaps. And we, if you find areas without wind in the river, we caught bass there too. So, and, you know, caught some walleyes in the mix too. So, yeah, my overall note is at fishing out of Buffalo. It's been more like fall than it has summer. Uh, big fish, they're where they're supposed to be in the fall, and uh, they're chewing. You know, crayfish, artificials, drop shots, whatever. Like, I've been fishing. My rule still can, uh, is there that I'm not going any deeper than 40 feet. And really, I'm not going any deeper than like 32 feet. It's like the deepest that I've fished. And I'm just running huge routes and just circling and, and just co doing what I normally do. Mm -hmm. You know, just gritting out reefs three or four times, move to another reef three or four times, move to another reef three or four times. And, you know, it's it's been paying off. So I've come to the conclusion that they're pretty much everywhere. Just pick a piece of structure and, and, and pick it apart for a little bit and, and you'll find them. It's exciting. It's it's really exciting. It's it was a a great week and it was a good welcome back. I mean, because I, I was yeah. thinking back, like, I mean, a year ago today, I was like, you know, fresh out of the hospital and all, yeah, you know, true. all beat up and yeah, skinny as hell. True. So it's uh, wow. it's it's been good. It was it was a good little little chunk of time, man. So just looking forward to the uh, the upcoming week. Uh, we got another like decent period of stability, like no crazy wins, but there'll definitely be wins. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm taking a couple days off just to do, I got some errands to run and play catch up from, uh, you know, my travel. Mm -hmm. So, but I'll, I'll be out at least five or six days next week. So, awesome. um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out there. So. But in this uh, time that we've spent apart, buddy, what uh, what did you end up doing? Travel traveled uh, around quite a bit, so I, I can get into that. But I, I will, because uh, you know, as we've been doing, kind of make mention of what I've been seeing in the air and on land yeah. as well. Uh, one of the biggest things I noticed was when using the birding app that we use. Uh, Merlin, Merlin, yeah, Merlin Bird ID. Uh, I've been I've been having issues picking up birds because how loud the cicadas have been, uh, and yeah. it's kind of like drowning it out. But so that's you know something that's way uh, more prevalent than last we recorded as well. The cicadas. Uh, some some other notes that I took on just kind of some land things. Uh, I've been noticing, way, I've been on a lot of hikes lately. I've been noticing way more snakes and frogs. It's obviously been a lot more, uh, you know, we've been getting more consistent rain as well. And if anyone's noticed, the fawns are now much, much bigger and hmm. getting ready to go into fall here soon so that they can make it through winter. So that's something I've been noticing Um Nothing, nothing else too too crazy or drastic uh, besides that. So, 
I guess that's all. As for travels, so I, in, it was like the last week of July, went to Tennessee for a concert and looked around a little what bit concert? to see it. What, what was it? Uh, Greta Van Fleet. Have you heard of them? Or no. No, they're like, they're rock band, newer, 2017 uh, since. One of my favorite bands. And they just came out with an album. Uh, I think it came out, yeah, it came out like three days before we saw them, which was cool as well. Uh, I was trying to see if there was any place to fish anywhere, like, you know, close enough. We were about 40 minutes out from Nashville. And I saw some small creeks and everything, but I, I didn't end up getting to do too much exploring. We were uh, a bit busier than I, I thought we might have been. But regardless, it was a cool cool. Why experience. did you go all the way down there for... Just for the concert, or so a, a few things. Uh, the plans ended up falling through in many ways. So uh, that specific venue was supposed to be Greta Van Fleet with this other band Kaleo opening up, which that combo was like we never thought that that, that, that was going to happen, and it did. And that was one of the only places they were going to do it. Uh, on top of that, uh, my dad, brother, and I we all play guitar, and my brother's really into really into into guitars so the gibson factory is down there and we're going to do a tour of it well it turns out they don't do tours anymore something changed with that and then like a week before two weeks before kaleo canceled because they just got done with a tour and they didn't they needed time to recoup so they didn't end up they weren't there uh at the show but concert is still amazing regardless we did end up going to a gibson store down there which was also awesome just it, it was sweet they had a, a conveyor belt running around the ceiling with probably you know 60 70 different guitars it was a it was a pretty cool hmm. pretty cool experience and just where we stayed we stayed in this cabin uh this airbnb it was a super cool cabin on a farm and just overall the driving you know from new york to tennessee that was a cool experience as well kind of seeing you know the, the changes and everything like it's, you know, pretty standard for most of the drive. And then like, as we were getting closer, I'm like, oh, wow, we're, we're getting some, we're getting some drastic, drastic uh, increases, decreases in elevation. So that was pretty neat. Um, bird wise, I was also having a very hard time picking up anything while I was down there. Cause it was just like cicadas mm. were just beyond belief loud. Uh, I've had a few, few. Cool, yeah. Like, I mean, especially, yeah, I'm thinking, but, especially before. It gets dark in the south like that, yeah. man. That they're like insanely yeah. loud before. The, it's I, like I you know. have a noise machine on. It's yeah, like, man. Yeah. I don't know what species it is, but like, it can drive you mad. It's like late, <coughs> late summer, especially that. There's like that first hour of darkness usually. Like straddling that first hour of darkness is ridiculously loud. Like, yeah, yeah. that that was something else I I would notice, which like, you know, clearly it. But, uh, you know, being over more uh, central U.S., like, I was like, man, it's really feeling like it should be light out right now, and it's getting a little darker, right? Like, what's happening? And then right. I was like, oh, duh, like, you know, it, we're, we've shifted. So uh, that was, yeah, overall pretty cool, cool trip. Uh, Nashville was pretty neat. Didn't, didn't travel around down there too, too much, but went out to eat at a few few places, so that was cool. Um, since then, so I came back, we were there for like four days, 
And then last weekend, I did a camping trip at Ocean State Forest, which pretty much no, actually nobody that I've mentioned it to has ever heard of it. It's about 45 or maybe 30 minutes, even like right below Canisius Lake on a map. Uh, how, so you, I think you yeah. told me the story, but how did you discover it? So I was just looking for places to camp and I wanted some place. How that, though? Um, I was Googling, Googling, and then I went to the DEC's website. And because I was searching and, you know, all they have all like their criteria of what you're able to do at all the state state parks. So I was looking for one where there was like off trail camping that I could just go free, just park, get on, put my backpack on, hike in, set up shop, and then be cool. Uh, so, so all of your camping gear is backpackable? I mean, it's, uh, we'll, we'll get there. Right. What like the setup was and everything. But uh, so I, I found this place and I was like, okay, well, it's an hour 45 away. So that's not bad. That's, that's relatively close. Yeah. So I uh, looked at it, seemed pretty pr- fairly remote um, and there wasn't much on it. So I figured, okay, this is probably pretty low key. There won't. What's the, ter- what's to- the terrain like? So that, that was something else that was pretty neat. So at, once we drove in, it was a lot of conifers. Like Really? Yeah. I, was, I wasn't really expecting it. Um, and then there was some sections of hardwoods, but you could tell that this place had to have been logged like 70 years ago probably because none of the trees, like none of the trees are big. They're, they're, you know, like a little over coffee can size. You know, there weren't, there weren't, there might've been a few, but very few were uh, much bigger than that, but regardless. And then as you got into like about, well, actually it was almost to the other edge of the the park. There's like three or four ponds that are connected and then a few that are set back. So we drove through, kind of get a lay of the land. We went back to the main pond and saw on the map that they are, there were these a few trails uh, running through. So we decided to park there and kind of just go back in and see where we wanted to set up camp. So we ended up setting up camp on kind of the peninsula between the two ponds, which was all conifers, which was nice. Uh, And they did have a pit there already and stuff. So they did have some, some nice, some nice cities as well. There was a, there was a portageon near the car, which was also very convenient. Um, Yeah. So that was only, five seven minute walk from the car but you were deep it didn't feel like you were really like near anyone and it was great as we're walking in i heard a bird and i'm like all right right off the bat this is a good welcome i'll take it and i i recorded it and it was a red-shouldered hawk yeah right red-shouldered hawk that's the first time i've recorded one of those so that was pretty neat i did not get eyes on it at all but it was going going hard for a few minutes it was uh beautiful beautiful to hear it's talking shit to you man yeah i I could kind of sense it because i was going it was in those trees like relative where we ended up staying and i was like yeah sorry dude i guess i kind of just pushed you out my bad but uh, it's it's a territorial thing that they're making those sounds mm. you know and they're either they're either doing it to assert dominance or they're doing it to warn everybody that you're there mm. one, one, one or the other 
Or both. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But, so yeah, I ended up going with my buddy Ed, and we had all everything but like the cooler. So we left the cooler in the car and had, you know, the sparse food in there, had something frozen for the next day. So we got there, left Friday night, got there, hiked in. We had everything in our backpacks, tent, sleeping bag, sleeping pad, not much else. You know, clothing, like it don't need much. Uh, set up camp and then went back to the car because you got to buy wood uh, local at a lot of the state parks because they don't want it being transferred. Right, and, right. You know, spread of uh, disease and whatnot. So second trip, we went back, grabbed wood, water, and then the food for the night. Went back in, and by by then, by time everything was you know going, fire set up, camp set up, it was starting to get dark. We started to cook, and it was just a great, amazing meal. Just simple, like ground beef and corn, and just uh, corn on the cob. It was great over the fire, and the stars that night, like. No light pollution at all, nice. and it was it was intense. It was some of the the most vibrant uh, stars I've seen, especially locally. Uh, well, you know, relatively local, and in, being in the, the the pines too, and like looking up, and there's just the clearing, and it's just, it's like it's framed like a photo. It's just beautiful. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, and then the next day. Just, you know, kind of, we lounged around quite a bit. It was just, you know, taking our time to chill and relax. We did not end up going on a hike trying to find one of the other ponds. I did attempt to fish the pond that we were at. I had a gut feeling looking at it that there was, that it was going to be no dice. And there were some people who uh, driving through on like the first day that were fishing. I didn't see them catch anything, but I was just looking at it and I'm like, this is a super tannic water. Like, I'm guessing it's, like, two foot deep. Like, it did not seem like mm-hmm. it was, like, going to be deep enough to hold anything that I was, you know, going to be catching at least on what I had. So, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, so, no dice there. So, I decided, okay, well, maybe we can go back into one of the deeper ponds. Maybe it's happened. Or, one like, deeper into the woods rather and hopefully that pond is also deeper and might be holding some fish uh so we ended up starting to hike and as we were going it transferred from conifers to more hardwoods more hardwoods which was neat uh neat as well found a pond not the pond that i was i was striving for my land nav was definitely off but were you not getting a cell were you not getting no we, we were well so we <clears throat> we decided on Friday night that we were not going to use our phones until Sunday, unless it was like Interesting. absolute emergency, nice. you know? So I did grab my compass out to get like just a general bearing of everything and just be like, okay, here's where we're going. Here's where we got to come back to. We did not make it to that pond. Yet again, we made it to a pond, which was cool. And it was even shallower and smaller than the one that we were hmm. by, sadly. So no dice, but... Uh, in all of these ponds there, you would walk up, you know, to any like little sandy or rocky spot that you could get down to. No joke, 20 to 30 frogs just 
jumping like all at once. It was just, hmm. it, it was so cool. It was so cool. Were and, there birds around, like herons and shit, feeding on? No, uh, surprisingly not. There There's was got to be something eating them, man. There's so, got to be snakes. Like, okay, water. hold on, we'll, we'll, we'll unravel more. There, there, we did, we did come across some more stuff as well, which was cool. Uh, so that night we did find a beaver in the pond as well, which I kind of figured there had to have been one around. It was shallow with, you know, some down timber and stuff, but there just weren't like trees with that, you know, distinctive beaver mark on them. Like, or at least we did end up finding a few, but so as we were walking back and forth between the vehicles, my buddy was walking back with some water and he gets back and he's like, man, you wouldn't, I was just walking and I almost stepped right on a snake. And I'm like, yeah, I bet that scared the shit out of you a little bit, huh? And he's like, yeah. So that was the first snake of, of the trip. And then we did end up seeing another one as we were going in for the hike. Um, <clears throat> one of the days we woke up, went back to the car and just like right off the trail, there was a doe that was just chilling in the, in the thicket. And it ended up wrapping around by the time we got back wrapping around and it was like just uh, milling around by us, which was pretty cool over at camp. So we're sitting there and this bird comes whipping across the pond and landing in this fallen tree that's right by uh, where we set up camp. And I like looked at my buddy and I'm like, just sit here for a second. Like I want to try and see what this is, see if I can ID it, like get close to it, what have you. So he didn't really care. He didn't seem too interested. So I get up and I'm scanning, 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 scanning. And I'm like, I know it's in this tree. I know it landed here. And then I'm looking at the water and I see poop drop in. And I'm like, okay. So I look up and I saw the bird and I'm like, and I look over at my buddy and he started walking up and then boom, the bird was gone. I thought it was a woodpecker. Like, what the what is the biggest one palliated yes and i couldn't really get a good and that's view definitely of it. where you would find them okay they don't like being around people although i i've uh there's like just a block in this direction where i'm pointing mm-hmm. there's a this a big grove of conifers mm. like old conifers there mm-hmm. like if you look out the window there you can see the tallest trees over there mm-hmm. they they that used to hold a great horned owl but then the crows kicked it out. And then two, two years ago, there was a, a pileated that lived in that tree. Like oh, it was, wow. cause I would, I would hear it all the time. Yeah. Like they just have a really distinct sound. And I, I, the sound seems familiar to me as well. I mean, it's and loud I and really distinct. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, people, yeah, I people make that sound to try to trigger turkeys and stuff. Too, mm. cause, cause you usually find them in like heavily wooded areas like yeah. they they just uh, for whatever reason don't like being around people but yeah. i mean every once in a while i'll, I'll hear them around here but if you go yeah. in heavily wooded areas you'll find way more of them they're down by ellicottville so i'm not surprised mm-hmm. you heard one that's cool no it, it, it was super cool and then it was even cooler because then either the next i think it was the next morning sunday morning two of them flew in i'm guessing male and female i Yet again, wasn't able to get a super close look at them, but I did get up closer to them to see them both perched in the tree, and then they just both flew flew across, which was sweet. But, uh... Mm, no, other, no other real bird encounters besides that uh, on that trip. Recently, I was telling you when I dropped off those drop shot weights the other day, 
uh, I saw a red tail hawk with a small mouth in its talons. Like it flew right yeah. across. Like it's it, wild. It, it, I'm shocked that I did not hit it. It was like it was that low to my like windshield. Um, yeah, it was pretty wild. And you know what? I'm, I'm thinking about that. And you know what's also possible is that an mm. osprey caught a smallmouth and started flying away with it, and the red tail saw it. Mm. And dive bombed him and triggered him to drop the smallmouth. Yeah, because dude, I just find it hard too. It wasn't. It wasn't like it wasn't. I just rotten. find it, it hard to believe fresh. that a red tail hawk is feeding on fish. I mean, maybe, but like, dude, I mean, uh, I mean, small, like that smallmouth had to be in pretty shallow water too, yeah. which is also weird. Um, but anyway. I, yeah, and I know it was a red tail because, like, after we we talked about, it, I like looked at the diagrams and everything. I'm like, yeah, no, this there's no, like, uh, looking at because I only really got to see like kind of from a little bit below the throat to just about where its talons were, and just with the feathers and everything, I was like, yeah, there's no doubt. But uh, that was a super cool, super cool experience as well. But uh, getting back to the camping trip, yeah, overall it was awesome. Uh, the second evening we had like seven storms pass by like right across the pond i don't know how we got how we got lucky no and shit. that happened but yeah there it, like, every, cool every like see. 30 minutes uh like little storm would pass through and it would just like be staying right over there i have no idea you you, you never got wet from it we had a few showers pass through oh, sure. like it got like when we were hiking i was looking and i'm like like when we get back, we gotta cover all the wood and everything, or else we're not gonna like it's gonna get so we're gonna get soaked. And then it it just kind of stayed that way for whatever reason. But yeah, um, overall great experience. I would definitely go back again. It's got me motivated and thrilled to get to another another location and actually backpack in a little bit more. That that was cool. It was nice, you know. Uh, but you know, do something even more remote. Yeah, you you uh more adventureful. We talked about this the other day. The next, I think your next thing is the Adirondacks. Yeah, you got to get. I would love to tackle that. Yeah, but you know, like so when I uh, when I was about your age and start first got into fly fishing, um, I did have a backpack set up with essentially like uh everything i needed for three days of of living on a trail mm. so like a one man like a two-person tent mm -hmm. but like a really lightweight one and yeah, this like is before like yeah. this is a long time ago you know like now there's all kinds of super light tech for it but um it, we're i mean it wasn't like it was this was still very it was still very much a thing culturally but mm. but anyway dude it was uh I had a tent, I had cooking gear, I had like uh, just add water types of meals, yeah. um, three days worth, you know, so tent, sleeping bag, like a couple changes of clothes, etc. But yeah, I could pack it all and then, and then my, my fishing gear, like my fly vest. It's like, so when you start thinking about like, that's what made me really get into simplicity and it's yeah. like look because if i can be successful and the thing is too though though if you go into remote places to fish chances are those fish aren't very pressured so you don't need like a lot of different stuff you just gotta yeah. put 
something in front exactly, of them. Exactly, because they haven't seen it before. Right. Yeah. But the muskies in Algonquin, for example, like mm. very few people fish for them. Um, and they just, like you could fish top water the entire time and catch wow. just as many, if not more fish if, than if you fish subsurface. Just because that's that's how the real fish behaves. Yeah. You know, but... Well, well, yeah, and you know, obviously, with the, our our theme of simplicity, like we're we're sitting around the fire, like, and I'm like, I'm an like to my buddy, I'm analyzing like all the gear, and I'm like, okay, well, next time if we shave you go this, ha- we if, can do this. If you go hammock and bug net, that's so, I mean, that's what we do yeah, in Guyana, like, and that, now that when, was... we, when we go to Algonquin, like, uh, if you're in a, if you're in an area that has trees, like, mm-hmm. so one El- in Guyana, that's exclusively what we sleep in yeah. in Algonquin. That's exclusively lo- what we sleep in. And dude, it packs into like a little nothing. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have one it's, and it's, yeah. and it's super comfortable. You know, it doesn't, I, I dude, if you're in a tree area, you should yet. definitely do it. Okay. Yeah. But, but yeah. And I even asked him like, overall, I'm like, you know, like with, with like he, he's had experience but going into it like he just hasn't hasn't really done a whole whole lot and i'm like so what do you got and he didn't have a whole lot of gear i'm like all right so let's just get you set up like i looking at what he brought and everything i'm like all right man i i need to rethink some things here because i I just brought way too much needlessly uh and and it made me made me think about what, what how much I brought and like thinking okay I did I did not need to bring all of this but you know just you got to learn with the experience and every every out in and right. just trim from there and get it more dialed in but I guess the last exciting uh, exciting note to touch on uh, yesterday I went to my buddy's property and shot the bow for the first time in a while getting warmed up yep feeling good with it. And, got a month or so, right? A little over a month. Yeah, a little over a month. Uh, and then for the first time in a long while, shot my shotgun and my rifle. And my buddy that I was shooting with had hurt his his right shoulder however long ago. So he was like, I'll, I'll try to shoot with you, but chances are I'm not going to. So I sent two rounds with my 12-gauge was in an area that I needed to be felt good at 35 yards. And then he was like, all right, I'm going to try and take some shots with my two, two, three. And I'm like, okay, do what you got to do. He took like two and he's like, no, there's no way. There's no way I'm doing it with my bum shoulder. So he's like, I'm just going to try and shoot left-handed. Never really done it, but going to, going to see. He was not having an easy time with it. So when I switched over, I was like, you know what? Maybe, Maybe I'll try shooting lefty. I haven't ever, ever really done it. I always just, when I was, when I was taught to shoot, it was in my right hand. And like, I did not even think like to try lefty at all, despite, you know, being left-handed even. And, uh, three rounds with my right, three rounds with my left. The left was like a wicked tight group. And my right was pretty spread out comparatively. And that was like my first time. I was like, "Oh wow, did I just discover like I got to be shooting lefty now or something?" It was, uh, it was interesting. Could have been beginners. Yeah, luck, it's of course it's, it's, as well. You, I, I wonder that too, as a as a fellow left hander, like when we're as we're growing up, why we choose or why we end up 
doing certain things right-handed, right? Because like, so I golf right-handed and I swing a hockey stick right-handed. I bat right-handed because my father was into those two sports and that's how he demonstrated it. And so like I somehow figured out how to wire my brain to swing those that way to the point where like, I can't even imagine swinging the other way. Right. But then when it comes to like casting, I have to cast with my left hand. Like I, yeah. I can, I can definitely cast with my right hand. Like I can definitely, I can do it. But my preference, and my default is I'll cast with my, my left hand. But sometimes if I'm, if I'm fishing a bait caster, like I, 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 I in general, if I'm retrieving baits, I like to like if it's an aggressive retrieve of like a crankbait or a stick bait or a topwater, mm-hmm. I like to reel left-handed and use my right hand. To, oh, to give cast, it action. switch. Yeah. I gotcha. Cast and switch over. However, yeah. if I'm finesse fishing, yeah. I prefer having the rod in my left hand and reeling right handed. So it, it's, it's freaking weird, dude. I can do it totally. I can do it both ways. I can do it 100% both ways. I can, because I, I, when I first started finesse fishing, I was doing it with my right hand and reeling with my left hand. And I realized that, like, the purpose behind finesse fishing is to be tight lined at all times. Like you're not like constantly retrieving, like you're, yeah. you're, you're trying to stay tight mm-hmm. and make adjustments and you can do a lot of the adjustments with your, with the active arm yeah. instead of reeling. Yeah. So, and, and you can do more precise adjustments with that active arm. So I just started doing it right-handed or like using my left hand for drop shots and stuff like that and, and fish and nets. But anytime that I'm retrieving baits, like aggressive retrieving stick, ba- stick baits, top water, crank baits, all I, I prefer casting it. I'll, I'll cast with my left hand, switch the rod over and reel a bait caster with my left hand. Or, you know, like I prefer retrieving yeah. baits. With my I do left. the exact, I'm, I'm thinking, I do the exact opposite. Of yeah, that. yeah, and that, that's interesting. It's and it's weird, and most right-handers would do the exact opposite of what of what I do. Yeah, but uh, even like and then like fighting too, like uh, uh, like punching stance yeah. or like like stance. Like I'm, I can one hundred percent go back and forth. I honestly don't know which one I'm more comfortable doing. Um, it's it's just weird. I I, it, it, I find all of it fascinating because it's every left-hander that I've met has a different pattern you know yeah. like i've not met like somebody that's purely left-handed yeah that, that does it all that way yeah you know the way right-handed people do so funny story about the left-handed thing and then you can start diving into your trip as well uh so like when i was growing up playing t-ball and baseball when i was really young every time i went up to the plate i would stand a different way and like everyone was like no like you swing this way and i'm like i because I felt like I could swing either way. Like to this day, like playing catch, I I could like go back and if you gave me a lefty mitt or a righty mitt, I'd be like good to go. I could catch Football, both ways, but I couldn't throw both ways. No way. There's, it's could, not as pretty. Okay, I will I, I will say like my left hand might not be as as pretty of a throw, but it, it definitely can get it done. Uh, football though, like I can only, I can only make a, a, a so passable. are you left-handed though? Yes. 
But you throw you would throw right. I would throw the football. Yeah, I would snap like when I was playing center. I would. Snap I, I could it throw a right football hand. right-handed. I think okay, but I couldn't throw a baseball right-handed. Not fast right away. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's super interesting. Golf, I I was never able to really like get the hang of it because I could never like figure out which way felt uh, comfortable to swing. You know. Hmm. Yeah. Lefties. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> it's 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 always <clears throat> excuse me when uh people get on the boat. The first question I ask them is, uh, "What hand do you reel with?" And I know, like right away, if it takes more than a couple seconds to answer that question, like it gives me a good gauge as to how often they fish. Mm-hmm. You know. And then I'm like, look, there's no wrong answer to this question. Like, I couldn't tell you. I, I, but I, what, I can, what I can say for sure is I have yet to meet a right-hander that doesn't reel left-handed. Like, every right-hander wants to hold the rod in their right hand and reel left-handed. Every single one. I've not met one that doesn't. They go, they get weird with bait casters. Uh, the, the overwhelming majority of right-handed people like to reel right-handed with a bait caster. I don't know why. Hmm. But I've tried to convince those people that you, you you shouldn't make there there shouldn't be a difference because if you like if you people with a if you have a right hand retrieve bait caster this is what I see people doing they hold the rod in their right hand and uh, they'll like click and reach over you know like if you're if you're fishing vertical yeah, yeah. you know it's like okay well dude you're 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 trying to wire your brain in a way that that's not right. Like yeah. switch to the other hand and yeah. do it the same way with both reels. Like well, don't get yeah. fucked up like me. Yeah. And anyway, we're going well, off. Well, on a, hold on. on. I'm going to, I'm going to dive in on that tangent just slightly more for a second. Like a lot of like bass fishermen, like they will specifically for applications use a left and or right handed retrieve bait caster. I, you know, like yet again, being able to do it is one thing. Once you're getting into the nitty gritty of it, I know that's a that's a whole nother level. But it's like, yeah, I, I I can like for me like if I'm if I'm pitching a jig, like despite yes, I'm normally holding, you know, like my spinning rod in my right hand, and I feel like I might have more power just with the motion and everything. It's more natural for me to hold the bait cache in my left hand and pitch it. But some people would just have the left handed. Uh, bait caster for that application so it's right there you know everyone's everyone's a little different i i, I guess but yeah 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 because i i don't know pitching i could do it either I, I, way i could not through. i would i would be pitching the only way that i can pitch is holding the rod in my left hand um i, cu- I couldn't pitch holding the rod in my yeah, right so hand. you'd need a right-handed bait caster for that so right you could, yeah but yeah. i i i um which that's so the, the I went to Guyana this not the second time that I went to Guyana mm-hmm. I went down there uh, only using I told myself look I'm only going to use a uh, a left-handed bait caster <laughs> because up to that point I had only used. Uh, right-handed bait casters right because when i'm guiding i i somehow for whatever reason when i first started guiding 
I felt like I had more control if I held the remote in my right hand. Okay, so because I've I've never used a foot pedal. Yeah. And most captains around here, like the overwhelming majority of captains today, use a remote because you can just move around the boat and do different stuff um, with a remote. Yeah, it, and, it, it and gets foot free. Yeah, so it just you you can move around a lot. So because of that, I don't know why. I think I just just because if I, I I I gravitated to that, so my left hand could be free because that's my my strong hand. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but yeah. whatever reason, I cannot do the remote with my left mm. hand. It, it's like a major mind fuck if yeah, I do yeah. it. So anyway, for whatever reason, then I started fishing with the rod in my left hand a lot and getting used to like all right hand retrieve stuff. Um, so then I noticed that as a problem. Not not a problem, just as a thing that was happening. So I said, okay, I'm going to go to Guyana and only use a right-hand retrieve bait cast or a left-hand retrieve bait caster. Because, again, I was, I, my brain is now wired for right. Yeah. I told myself I'm going to be in Guyana for two weeks. I'm going to break that mm. and only reel left, right? So I went there, and that's what I did. Did you switch your spinning rods as well? Yeah, well, spinning rods I've always reeled left. I've only just. But recently... I'm saying you didn't force yourself to do the opposite for that application. Either. No, because no. I was already doing that actually. Okay, gotcha. okay gotcha. you know, so yeah, and so I ended up doing it, and now like I don't even know what my preference is. You know, like I I do I do prefer reeling with my left hand on a bait mm -hmm. caster but like when it comes to the coordination of the the cast and like getting it out there and accuracy is definitely casting left-handed but the retrieve i don't know why man yeah. like i feel like the like the reel on a bait caster just that narrower circumference mm -hmm. it, there's just something about and just i don't know there's just something about hand the hand well, position there yeah, yeah. That I, I feel more comfortable reeling with my left hand and I can just lean into it yeah. with my right. But anyway, but again, though, <laughs> finesse fishing, all left handed yeah. and just because I'll just I'll just re reach over and spin the reel mm. and pick up slack every once in a while if I need to. But it's all just staying tight line. Yeah. You know, so anyway, all well, right, let's get on your trips because we yeah. can get down a big rabbit hole of left handed uh, right. -handed. I, it's definitely interesting. So yeah, I think it is as well. Anyway, um, North Dakota. Yeah. So North Dakota was kind of like uh, my Oklahoma trip. Like, why the hell would you you go to North Dakota and you know it's on my fifty before fifty states before turning fifty mission? I've never been there. I'd never even. I don't even think I flew across, flown across it before. Definitely mm -hmm. haven't driven through through it. Um, but anyway, so I, I started googling it. And there's uh, really cool walleye fisheries there. Mm. I noticed, um, and then I also noticed in the westernmost part of the state, there uh, Theodore Roosevelt National Park is there, and it was it's like a, a kind of a badlands type of situation. Mm. I didn't dive too into it, but I'm like Theodore Roosevelt started the whole national park thing. Like mm -hmm. uh, if if he's got a park in his name, it's got to be a pretty cool place. Yeah. No so um, I started plotting routes out in Google, like the Lake Sakakawea, which is a dammed up portion of the Missouri River, and then Devil's Lake in the northeastern corner of the state. 
is a uh, just a glacial lake, just like the, the Great Lakes are, that has a bunch of walleyes in it. So I just kind of plotted a route, and uh, it was great, man. We flew in. There was nine of us total, um, two rental cars, and uh, it was uh, me, my wife, and my daughter and her friend, and my buddy Nate, his wife, his two sons, and uh, his nephew. So we were rolling nine deep, two cars, and uh, first place we went was the Western. So we flew into Bismarck and Red Eyed, so we just spent the night right there, and then woke up in the morning, grabbed our rental cars, and drove two hours to the West. And so, dude, like when you're driving out there, and this is like if you go see the Grand Canyon or really any of the Badlands in general, this is, this is what happens. Because, like, the Grand Canyon is, like, the most extreme portion of, like, Badlandy type of stuff. But you can follow, like, that general path all the way up to, like, North Dakota and even into Canada. Like, there's it, the, the terrain changes a little bit, but it's the, you'll see the general effect will occur. Where you're driving around and it looks like this just vast openness. Yeah. Like, there's nothing there. And in the case of, of North Dakota, there are, like like out to the horizon size fields of sunflowers, wow. like just massive wow. mono, uh, mono agriculture going on, yeah. like at a huge scale, like just wow. crazy scale. Same thing with like corn. It was just crazy amounts of agricultural land. And then you started getting into like this scab land type of stuff. And then all of a sudden, boom, like you're in these this crazy canyon in this Badlands area, and it was uh, just mind blowingly, mind blowingly beautiful, dude. Like, uh, oh, yeah, man. Bro. Yeah, there's there's bison walking around. Um, it's just and and so it was uh, that it was, photo right there looks like if you just changed the color slightly, that is like Arizona. Like, yeah, so like, the, like so while we were there for the first three days in this part of the state, the western part of the state, we stayed there for three nights mm -hmm. um, or two nights. The uh, <coughs> it rains the whole time, so uh, we got there and it started raining and it just kept raining, which and they, it rained over an inch, so it made everything like super green. Mm. You know, because that area doesn't, this is like kind of deserty type of stuff. Okay. Like, that's not like edited, man. That was just a crazy, wow, that, that's that the type crazy. of color that's there. Um, what, and they have wild oh, horses wow. everywhere, too. So, anyway, town of Moderna, uh, Medora, I meant. Awesome place to stay. Cool little shops and stuff. Um, and then Theodore Roosevelt National Park south unit was wild so day one we just got into town checked into the hotel got acclimated went out to eat day two rained all day so we you could see like how flooded uh, out this river is and but we we were just like uh, we'd be next to uh like a place where you could go get a, a quick photo so we'd run out in the pouring rain and yeah. take a shot and but then day four it all cleared up and that, so we decided to, uh, that at that part we were going to move to Lake Sakakawea. It was like time to start fishing. So I planned like basically the whole day is going to be like a three-hour drive to get over there. So I just planned a whole day like look, let's just take our time. We're going to the north unit of Theodore Roosevelt National Park, 
and then we'll head over to Sakakawea after we're done. Um, thinking we were just going to stop and it was going to be this quick thing. But, dude, when we got into the North Unit, man, like, that place is one of the craziest places Whoa. I've seen on uh, on the planet. Like, when you first get in, there's, there's all these little kind of canyons and coolies and stuff. Um, but then the scenery just starts getting real badlandsy, man. Like, it, it starts getting wow. huge. Like, wild canyons. And, like, you're walking around... And I'm just thinking that I'm going to see a brontosaurus like any minute, man. It, it's like, it's just, I don't even know how to explain the landscape to people. Uh, if just just go online and look at the pictures of Theodore Roosevelt National Park, North Unit. It's incredibly beautiful, man. Like, we just stayed there and geeked out to to it all day long. There, were, can, there were just imagine. so many different sites to, wow. to see when we were there. And um, so we took our time uh, getting through there and then. We, caught, we found this cool Airbnb uh, up near Lake Sakakawea in uh, this town called uh, Pick City. And it was this little, like, had ridiculous acres of farmland around them, this little house there that fit all nine of us easily. And it just had, like, wide open spaces. And that's when the birds got to be – like, so the first spots, um, it was raining the whole time, so I – I ended up like, uh, you know, so it was loud. You couldn't really record much. Um, I got like part of a morning chorus and picked up a handful of like a, a field sparrow. And then they have these rock runs that are out there that were like these totally different little creatures. They were cool. Um, but then when we got out, out into this farmland stuff, there was all kinds of wild shit out there, man. Like, and, and you'd get like a morning chorus and an evening chorus and even, Throughout the day, you'd see all kinds of stuff. So, uh, yeah, and then Lake Skakawea was really cool. Uh, fished this guy, uh, Big Muddy Guide Service, Kent Yancey. Um, just got our, lim our, our limit of walleyes easily uh, with, the, with the four of us. Beautiful scenery. I mean, like, the walleyes aren't the size of the ones that we have here, but, um, you know, you can get big ones, especially if you go in the spring and the fall. Um, but just just the scenery is awesome, you know. It just it's a really really cool place, and just being able to catch walleyes like that was cool. So we you know we boxed out and he butchered all the fish for us, packed them out. We had three one gallon Ziploc bags full of them. So we're, I mean you know our, our eyes were bigger than our stomachs. I was just thinking, look, there's nine people. Like we're you know we can pack this away. So the first night we baked them. And it was good, not great, but good. It was edible. You know, we, we, we took it down, and, and we, there was very little wasted off that. And then this, the following day, um, we went to uh, – we rented a pontoon boat and went out there and just floated around Lake Skakawea. And water was real warm. You know, it was just nice. So we just chilled the whole day and – you know, drank and while we were hanging out, I told, I was talking to my wife and my, uh, buddy Nate's wife, Jen, I'm like, dude, we should talk to this restaurant in pick city and see if they'll fry up that fish for us. And, you know, we'll pay, we'll obviously pay them for it. And so they called and yeah, they were cool with it. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Awesome. So we, we brought and dude, and it was awesome. They, like they did, uh, 
just a top-notch, top-notch job, man. That's awesome. Um, really, really cool place in Pig City. Um, yeah, so we stayed there for a day and uh, one more day and then hit the road, went to Devil's Lake. And Devil's Lake, I don't know, to it, it exists because it's a fishing town. And it's got, but it's got a lot of infrastructure around it, and there's plenty of things to do. But it's better. It's a place that's particularly famous for its ice fishing. Uh, we pounded walleyes too, I and mean, we caught ridiculous numbers of fish. They were just smaller than the ones that we caught in Sakakawea, but yeah. we just let them all go. Like yeah. we, we didn't want to keep any. But um, just the ter- the terrain when you started to, when we went to that part of the state is very similar to here. It just, but it, like, like the kind of like Lake Ontario farm region, mm-hmm. rolling hills, but just monocrop agriculture mm-hmm. everywhere, you know. Um, so not a lot to see, nothing real captivating over there, and just not a lot to do. So we uh, we went and fished, and then we decided to leave a day early and go back down to Bismarck because there was like rolling rainstorms and this big cold front coming in. So we just drove three hours south. Uh, my wife really wanted to go to the uh, the world's largest buffalo, so we uh, we went down there and you know got uh, gotten. <laughs> we we my wife had a bunch of these uh, Bills Mafia T shirts put up made, so we got in front of that thing and you know pe- somebody there was nice enough to take a to take a photo. Oh of it. wow! <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that is a big buffalo. Yeah, it was fun. But yeah, and then we just went to some water park later on that night and, nice. and chilled. So it was good. It was a good, good trip, man. Successful like trip. It. So yeah, that's great. Yep. So yeah, I don't have. Uh, I got one more, uh, Kansas, but I'm actually going to squeeze that trip in the middle of a week, so mm. it's not going to disrupt the podcast at all. But that'll okay. be in September. We're going to go out and fish hybrids, but um, other than that. It's back to work, baby. You know, things are, uh, like, I, like I said, like there's lots of days this week where it's not getting out of the 70s. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. It's very fall-like. Yep. Very Born fall-like. Off. Yeah, the nights have been cooler. I mean, we had, whenever a few nights ago, it was in the 50s, like, uh, you know, 57 uh, in the night. So, you know, yeah, we're getting there. It's uh you know what I like about this time of year? Uh My favorite thing about this time of year is, one, recreational boater traffic and angler traffic drops way off because kids are back at school and there's all kinds of other commitments. Um, And the other part about it is that uh, the waves are bigger on average in the fall. Like you just have more days where it's big out there. Mm. And a lot of people just don't want to deal with that. Yeah. And it's like, well, strap in, baby, because uh, have the whole lake because you we can go out there and it'll be amazing. Yeah. Just yeah. take Dramamine the night before, and you'll, you'll yeah. be okay. So, but it's right. good to be back, man. Yeah, it is nice talking to you. Stay tuned, guys. See you.